Oh yeah, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there, especially to all the single ladies out there. Hello, how you doing? This is your host, Manny Adeye, and this is Pick and Pod. I am joined by, I don't know, this is like an all-star cast here, man. Yeah. All right, I got Mayor calling in. What's up, Mayor? Hey, man, will you be my Valentine? Uh, no, you have a girlfriend. <laughs> you have a girlfriend already, and I will tell her how, how sad you were talking about how you had to spend the day with her. Do not get me started. <laughs> hey, man. <don't> <laughs> <laughs> we have Christian Noka here. What's up, bro? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Oh, uh, yeah, and we have Emmanuel, okay, my namesake. Babari here producing and on. What's up, bro? How are you? I'm doing well. A little multitasking today, but Yo, yeah. ready to talk some basketball. Oh, yeah, man. There's, there's a lot of basketball to be to be talked about. Um, I'm having a phenomenal day today, guys. It's good to have the M&Ms on at the same time. <laughs> like, this, this needs to be a thing. Yeah. That, that, you know what? We got to make it a thing. We don't have a lot of time left together, but we can do it. We can make it something special. Um, yeah. So, listen, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about the, the new Cavs, how, how they look and how things are going to shape up in the East with them. We're going to talk about uh, the Rockets and the Warriors and what's going on in the West, because we had to mention the West. And we'll talk about the Knicks. Uh, you know, KP's down, but they're they're still fighting on. And I don't want to talk about the Nets, so we won't talk about the Nets, because you guys don't want to hear about the Nets. So we're just going to talk some more basketball. Don't say that to Billy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's going to come for me. All right, so listen, guys. The Cavaliers made some major moves last week. They they got rid of all the drama. All right, they got rid of all like the big names. Dwayne Wade's out. Uh, D Rose out. It's out. Channing Fry left, but he wasn't really a problem. But you know, all these guys are out, and they got these new, younger, faster guys. A um, mayor, man. Like the Cavs are winning, and, and they look great. What do you think? Well, I mean, they 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 beat up the Thunder pretty well yesterday. I mean, the score was like an eight point difference at the end, but it looked pretty good. The, the main thing that I, I like my takeaway was I didn't actually think that all these trades were really fantastic in the sense that it was like, you know, they got some really good players, but they got an addition by subtraction. You know, they got rid of all the, the buzz. And as much as I thought Jay Crowder would have fit really well with LeBron, um, the, the personality did not mesh. And so that was kind of a disappointing, uh, you know, that was a disappointing thing that happened that I thought at least out of all the players that got traded, Crowder would have been one that, you know, this year would have had a good partnership with LeBron. I was super happy that, you know, the, that Clarkson is there as well as Hood. I think they're very good matches for LeBron. And I think this is going to be LeBron's final run as being, like, the number one guy completely having to carry the load by himself. I think after this, he's going to have to share the load. But he can do it for one more season, and Kevin Love will come just in time. So I'm happy for the Cavs, and I'm happy for you. And this is just a great Valentine's <laughs> Day for you because your buddy LeBron is in good shape. I mean, he played 40 minutes last night. That's really impressive. That's right. I think LeBron will have one, one or two more years Thank of being you. the main guy of a team. But no, 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 not being the main guy. I mean the guy that has to completely carry the load. Because, I mean, he's playing 40 minutes a game, and he's, he's the best the first and second best. All right, that's fair. Team. But I do love what Cleveland did. I think contrary to popular belief here, you don't necessarily need to just stack superstars and superstars for to work with yeah. King James. So I think what the Cavs did, just just clearing out all these misfit toys and just putting <laughs> LeBron around some athletic-type guards and forwards that can space the floor, letting LeBron have the space to do what he can still do and what he can do at this age and not – 
contrary to what a lot of people think he can do. So I do love what the Cavs did, and I think it was evident based on just how they played against the Celtics that, hey, they're here, and again, it's their East to lose. Uh, Listen, they did the best thing they could have done. They got younger and faster. And one of the one of the trades that I don't think we're talking about a lot is George Hill. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think yeah. he takes a lot of pressure off LeBron because he can handle the ball. He's he's your prototypical point guard. You know, I know LeBron's still gonna handle the ball, but that's a really good pickup. And again, they they got rid of all the old and slow players, all the drama. They are right now. I think they're the front runners to win the Eastern Conference. How about that trade deadline though? Yeah, you, you have all these oh moves coming in, all these. Uh, Waj bombs, and, and, and then we finally get the final blow, which is Dwayne Wade has been traded to Miami. Thank God. And when I saw that, I was just like, "Is this real? Did this just happen?" <laughs> yeah. Did you guys Did you guys see the uh, the interview with Hassan Whiteside? They, yeah. Uh, they asked him right after <laughs> practice, and he's like, "Wait, for real?" He's Dude, like, "What? We got Wade? Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, I love to have Wade, man. That's what's up." Now nah, he he was ecstatic. Honestly, though, yeah. if you ask me. Uh, I love it, man. You know, as you guys know, my favorite team is LeBron James, and uh, it's <laughs> I'm That's dead. A good way to put I'm it. dead serious. My favorite team is LeBron James, and I will not say anything else. Uh, and and what LeBron has done, you know, what, what I've seen these last couple games, the Cavs are now one four in a row. All right, the Celtics, who have the number one seed, have lost three of their last four. So I think they're in prime position to even take the number one seed, which they don't even really care about. Which is great because now they're better. T- they're, this is where they're better at for me. They're better defensively. All right, Larry Nance Jr. He can he could defend on the perimeter. You know, like how Tristan used to do uh, like a year and a half ago, and he could also score points. They're a younger team, so now so now they're just there's so much energy on the court, and their bench is actually like scoring points. These last two games they scored about I think forty nine and forty eight something like that. They're deeper. They're better defensively. Yes. They had a bunch of guys who really didn't know what they were doing on the defensive side of the ball. They were running and gunning against the Celtics. There was a sequence where the Celtics turned the ball over maybe four or five straight times, completely rattled them up. And then during that sequence, you saw LeBron take the ball up the floor, and there was no one within a five- to six-foot radius of him. They were letting him do his thing. They were letting LeBron shine. They were letting LeBron get hot. And that's what you need. LeBron can still be that guy who he just is, I don't know goes why. Off. I don't even know why. That's a conversation that he cannot or it, it, there's, I, mean, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. Where, where the doubt's coming from. <laughs> it's going to piss me the hell off because he's the greatest of all time and I'm oh. not hearing it. Anyway, the Cavs are now having fun again. I think that's yeah. another big point. You know, everybody got the, the, the new Jordan Clarkson little celebration. Ah! He scored the three. Everybody running down like, ah! I love that, man. It's, it's great to see. So uh, I'm just going to put this out there to you guys. Do we think, because I don't think everyone ever doubted that LeBron really in the playoffs going to the finals or not, is this enough for them, Mir, to beat the Warriors? Okay, so the blueprint to beat the Warriors was what the Thunder did this summer. They got a bunch of length, and they got a bunch of grittiness. And I think that the Cavs GM, I, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Um, I think something. It, yeah, I, I think it's Perry. Maybe that's the next GM, and I'm, I'm mixing them up. But it is. But I, you're good. I, I think I think the the blueprint is length. I mean, that's what LeBron is the greatest player of, of his generation and the greatest teammate in NBA history. But what makes him so incredibly difficult for the Warriors is not just that he's that, but he has a lot of length. He's very good in space. He's he's very athletic and and, and has a lot of length. And so because of that. He can, he can match up to the Warriors really well. 
And the problem with what the Cavs had before this, all these trades was they had slow players, they had shorter players, and they had a disgruntled Jay Crowder and a disgruntled D-Wade. Now they've got length. But the thing is, Larry Nance is not a great defensive player. He's not known what? for that. Jordan Clarkson is one second. And Jordan Clarkson is not known for being a great defensive player. And 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 George Hill is a good defensive player. But the good thing about those two players, as well as Rodney Hood, is that they can be molded into being great defensive players. So I think that if the enthusiasm is there, which it seems like it is, even though things always go well right after a trade. But let's see if like. The enthusiasm maintains and LeBron doesn't get ticked off with Rodney Hood's erratic three-point shooting. I think they can push the Warriors at the very least. I also, I don't know why, but I just got this gut feeling, just like when the Warriors went on that ridiculous run two years ago, that when teams are super hot, you know, in the regular season and they, they, they're a little... They start making lackadaisical mistakes because they're not very motivated. They don't end up winning the title. So I don't know why, but I just, I don't think the Warriors are winning the championship this year. So if it means that the Cavs are going to to the finals, then I guess the Cavs could win. And also, people don't realize this, but LeBron is probably having maybe his second or third best season I was about to say that. That's correct. Yeah, historically, I mean, he's obviously never going to hit the 08-09 season because that's statistically the greatest season in NBA history. But his... I mean, this guy is, is not just walking into triple-doubles like Russell Westbrook. He's, like, accidentally getting close to triple-doubles. He's deliberately he's not ever. doing it. That's why I think he's yeah, trying exactly. to piss me the he's, hell off. He's hitting eight and eight, He's always nine flirting nine with these damn things. things. And oh. because of that, I think that – I think – I really think that they're going to push the Warriors. And I don't know. I, maybe it's crazy, but I just got this feeling that the Cavs are going to win the championship. I really do. I don't know why, but – I just, I just have that feeling. I don't know who their number two option is, though. Can you really rely on Kevin Love to give you 25 a game? Now, I'm going to say this. They definitely have a better chance than they did before the trades. Thank and, you. Ryan. And the only thing I would say that could stop the Warriors is themselves. Are they going to get complacent? Are they going to say, hey, we're the champions and we're going to blow by the whole Western Conference? But Christian, that's not exactly true. I mean, like, the Thunder smacked the Warriors twice. Lemire, that's they, the they regular season. He loves OKC. Lemire, the thing is, when the playoffs come around, when the playoffs come around, you never know, man. Like, no, it's, superstars it's turn up, man. They no, turn up no, their I mean, game. <laughs> if, you, if you watch the Warriors when they play the Thunder, they turn up because they want to beat up Russell Westbrook. And, and if you, when they play the Rockets, they turn up as well. I think it's just that the, the Warriors are kind of burnt out, and I think that length really bothers them because they've they're, they're become complacent. They, they're not as disciplined as they once were because they're so used to winning. And when you put length on them, they, they have flaws because they don't have a perimeter, like a, a strong big man and a, and a, a rim protector that's effective anymore because Draymond is not a seven-footer. You know, they, yeah. when they when they lost Andrew Bogut, that that was a big, big loss in my eyes. I don't think this even remotely hurts the Warriors' chances of winning the title. I just think they're that much better than everyone else out there. But this does change the perspective as far as can the Cavaliers compete for a title? Because even if they did get to the finals, and that was very slim to none as far as the chances go before they made these moves, even if they did get past the Celtics, get past the Raptors, and get themselves into the finals, I think they were getting swept by the Warriors. I don't think there was a chance 
at all that they would win a game in that series. Now I think they could take the Warriors six or seven based on their defense, based on their length, based on them giving them problems. Absolutely. I, I, I think they're a thorn in the Warriors' side now. I still think Golden State wins the title. I, I, I have no doubt about that, but will it be? Will they have to fight for it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to have to fight in the West first. <clears throat> OKC looking good. The Rockets looking good. You know, it's, it's definitely not going to be as easy as, you know, one would seem. But, Mir, like you said, you know, uh, the Warriors, they could be getting complacent. However, they're really not. Steve Kerr is letting his players coach their other players and make plays. And he but got, the reason why he's doing that is because they're getting complacent. Okay, so, so but I want, I want to— He's a genius. Yeah, yeah, I want to touch on that, like, though. I got a minute. Do, you, do you think that that's a problem, though? Because let me tell you how where I stand on that. I think it's great. It keeps, it keeps uh, guys on their toes, you know, guys who, who aren't playing the game. It keeps everyone every, – it keeps guys who are playing on their toes. And, heck, as a coach, it makes your life easier. So how, where do you stand on Kerr letting his players, you know, coach? I, I totally agree. I, you know, I'm always of the mindset that there's like a franchise when it's going through its rebuilding and then to its championship level, all championship teams, when they go through rebuilding to develop and development to a championship level, I think that the best teams are when they have two coaches. So they have the coach that develops them and they love him and he's great. And then kind of the, uh, the jerk. You know, the guy that makes them uncomfortable. The uh, kind of like what Cam Chancellor did to a lot of the Seahawks players on that defense. Yeah. You know, push them in uncomfortable manners to, to, to get them to really perform. Look, it, it, you know, working and everything at my firm and, and, and also just even in class we see with group projects, you know, you usually don't perform as well when you're all buddy-buddy with everybody. You kind of like... It needs to be like this accountability level and a yeah, little bit of Yeah, dislike. that's true. And, and that's what I love about Kerr. He's, he's really corporate. I mean, he's your friend, but he's also going to tick you off. I mean, look at what happened last year with the Andre Godala references to the slave and master, which honestly was a little uncomfortable. But, hey, it was like a back and forth between Steve Kerr and Iggy. And Iggy performed pretty well in the finals, considering his age. So I think Steve Kerr's playing these mind games, and he's playing them perfectly. Mir, I love what you're doing here. You're making the perfect reference to a seventh grade classroom, and that's the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> so, you, so you have all these buddy buddies working together, and they can't get the group project done. And the best seventh grade teacher is the one who's your friend, but also ticks you off. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. The, the, the NBA champions, the soon-to-be NBA champions, are a seventh-grade classroom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know what? Listen, I like what Steve. I love. I love what Steve Kerr is doing. I honestly, Mark Jackson was the one who orchestrated the whole thing, but he wasn't the one who could get the Warriors over the hump to the championship. And Steve right. Kerr, what he's done, is phenomenal. I love what he's doing. Yeah, guys. You know, I, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Steph Curry. All right, you know, obviously as a LeBron <gasps> fan, yeah, yeah, no, no surprise to anybody. But no, I mean, this, this is a talented group, and uh, like I said, I don't have a problem with what Steve Kerr is doing. I like his coaching style, like you said, Mark Jackson did put them together. However, he's elevated them to a different level that they weren't before. Now, however, it's not going to be that easy to win the West. Like, no. let's be honest, Houston is a really good team. OKC is a really good team. Heck, Utah is on the 10-game winning streak, and they're making their way into the top eight right now. So, honestly, and I, I think, just got to ask a quick question. Go ahead. Manny. Go ahead. Did you see that Donovan Mitchell tweet about the Super Bowl? 
No, I actually did not. Okay, How'd so he so so he tweeted that what the the Eagles are doing to, did to the Patriots was like that ghetto AAU team with the dreads that has a really loud coach and is intimidating <laughs> the team that just shows up, you know. And to be really honest with you. I feel like that's what the Jazz are doing. Like, it was the best tweet of the year. I know it's only been, you know, a couple months since 2018, but, like, I think that was, like, Donovan Mitchell's way of just saying, like, putting the Jazz, like, on notice that he's, like, you know, I'm not just a quiet kid, you know? And and actually, ironically, since that, that tweet, they actually started their 10-game win streak. Yeah. You should look up that tweet. It was honestly hilarious. It, it Honestly, to me, it was, like, a big reference to a lot of kids from high school, middle school that just I totally – got what he meant and and i feel like that's what the jazz are doing because like the to go bear was that like he's athletic but he gets injured and he's a little soft in games man we're, we're doing all so, these references to like middle school and high school <laughs> i was just telling uh christian how i, was, I used to get bullied when i was a kid man but that's that's a sidebar. 300 that's, pounds, that's a sidebar no i was bullied? i was okay i was 300 pounds the other way like i used to waddle and whatnot and I used, oh it was oh, disgusting man. i was low self-esteem they called you boom and stuff no, <laughs> <laughs> look all right the point is though is are the rockets like that eagles defense so are they gonna come after the warriors the way that the Eagles count for the Patriots. That's the thing, because the Rockets are a great regular season team. Mark Dan- Mike D'Antoni's teams are always great regular season teams. Well, well what's, what's, the, what's, what's, your answer, what's your answer to that question? Okay, so... Yeah, that, that, goes I, to, that goes, sorry, that goes to what I was about to say, who's the biggest threat to the Warriors in the West? My biggest critique on James Harden has always been since he was on the Thunder, and, and Mike D'Antoni has always been the regular season guy. They're not leader. They, they need a number one leader on that team. And the Thunder lost Andre Robertson, so any chances of making a Western Conference Finals are out. So I think, and I know it's a boring answer, I think the Warriors are going to make it. But I think, I think if the Rockets had like, I don't know, like a Paul Pierce on the team that has that attitude, I th- or they still have Patrick Beverly, I thought I, I think they would have made the, the the finals. But because they don't have that, I think the Rockets are just going to go to Western Conference Finals, and that's it. Oh, the Rockets just got Joe Johnson, though, Amir. Do you That's think he fact. can make an impact? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, Joe Johnson on the Hawks, what did he ever do, right? Uh, I mean, stop like, it. Stop it, Amir. No, no, no. No, no, no. He's a great basketball player, but, like, he he doesn't have that killer attitude. Like, <laughs> you, like he's not he's not a little crazy. Like, he's not a Draymond. He's not a Paul Pierce. He's not a Patrick Beverly. He's just he's a good closer at this point in his career. What do you need? That's all you really need from from Joe at this point. Mm-hmm. I need I need big time shots and big time moments. I think it's pretty easy. I think the Rockets have been there all year, and they're the, yeah. they're the second best team in the West. So. The big, I, yeah, yeah, I exactly. think they win they it all. They're they're they the, the they're the best the threat to the Warriors in the West. I still think the Warriors come out of the West, exactly. but the Rockets are talented enough to give the Warriors a real run for their money. Hey, listen, yeah. they only, they only, they're only uh, uh, half a game behind. I think honestly that they might pull it out and win the West all the way out. But listen, we're going we're going to transfer back to the East, and we're going to talk about a team who's not doing so hot. All right, guys, uh, we're going to talk about the Knicks. Porzingis has been down, and they're on a a seven game losing streak right now. Uh, e man, what, what? I don't even know what to ask. Like, is there any hope for this team? Uh, for it, this it, franchise? It's interesting. We were talking about Porzingis's health sustainability earlier in the season on this podcast, and. <laughs> All those 
bumps and bruises have all of a sudden turned into a tragic injury, yeah. which is going to sideline him and his seven foot three frame for at least a year. So this is a complete detriment to the progress of the Knicks, complete detriment to their development. You lose your focal point for a year minimum when you're trying to build and form into a contender. That completely throws a wrench in everything you were trying to do because any talk about Porzingis being the centerpiece of this is gone. Is gone. You can't just build now and then all of a sudden insert Porzingis back into there and rely on him to be the same that he was, especially with his size, without the strength that a lot of the superstars in this league have. So I'm kind of speechless on where the Knicks are headed. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Okay. Being the Knicks fan here. There we go. <laughs> the the injury is terrible because again it causes a lot of problems. First of all, KP can't develop now; he loses a year, yep. and they're going to be terrible for two years. But I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh! And here's the thing: they could finally be terrible for two years, get two top five picks, and listen. I'm not saying it's not it's not a consensus that that one of those or two of those players become an absolute stud, but. With Tim Hardaway Jr., with Frank Nitalikina, with possibly two top five picks, you don't need Porzingis to come back effective. Just just tank for two years, get two really good players, and you might have a Golden State Warriors-esque effect. They've been and, terrible, though. But, and, and, they, and, they, they, they went 17-65. Eman, they well, haven't so. been bad enough. They have to be really bad, like Philadelphia 76ers. Mayor, but, but that's Mayor, my problem. Mayor, Even this year, they okay. could lose out and still win 25 games. Mayor, Mayor Torsen, oh. talk sense into Christian. Okay, so first of all, I think Christian is being a little misleading Thank with, you. Like, the, with the fact that he's saying two years, because it's actually not. It's Go like, it's going to be this draft, and I guess they're going to be bad next year. So it's actually not two years. First of all, it's a year and a half. Second of all, I kind of have belief in Perry. I think Perry's okay. His, the moves that he's made since, since he replaced Bill Jackson have been all right. What I will say, though, about Perzingis' injury is, I told y'all, right? I kept saying the left knee's in bad, and I, I kept saying, put him on the four and, and make him a stretch four. I know that he's done. I, I, I know that he's, he's gotten injured, you got no he faith got in injured there. off of a dunk. But the, the thing is, is that, like, he's, he, he's, not, he's not a usage guy. And yeah. they were literally, like, overusing him. So here's what I would do if I'm the next. I would move him to stretch four immediately. Um, I do think this is devastating, though, because also people don't realize, like, Przingis is a big attraction internationally, and this is a bad thing for the, the NBA because Cousins already probably is not going to be the same player he once was. Przingis, same. Um, I, I don't know if I'm blanking on a couple people. I mean, Andre Robinson. Everybody. John Wall. Yeah, John Wall's that, right? Because he's super fast and another knee problem mm-hmm. at 28. You know, that's not good. But here's what I will say about Przingis. Um, look, he doesn't need to be God. You know, he, he can shoot. Um, and I think that if they stop relying on him too much on the offense, he will actually develop in a more organic fashion and he's going to stop having all these injury problems. I do think it's very important to, to, to acknowledge that Cantor has, an, has a pretty exorbitant contract, but I do also want people to remember Emmanuel Moutier, who's now on the Knicks, isn't that bad. And he's a perfect complement to Nilakina because Nilakina's thin, right, and he can, he, can, he can drive, whereas Moutier 
has a little more of a shot, and he's kind of beefier. So, you know, if you can develop Moutier and Nilakina, you've already got one and a two, and then you've got Przingis in the reserve. And then, you know, this lottery, they're going to pick up somebody that's pretty good. This is a pretty good draft. And, and you know, hey, if they're bad for one more year, that's fine. But at least the point is there's a clear understanding of where it's going. So I think that Christian is sort of right in saying it's, it's, it, they're going to be bad for a while. But I don't think it's two years because it's really just maybe next season and then they could make a real push for the playoffs. Yeah, definitely not Warriors-esque. But, <laughs> um, that may be a stretch, but I, I do appreciate the optimism. I think it's interesting because Moody is the guy the Knicks passed up on to get Porzingis, and now yeah. they have both. So that kind of works, uh, if you ask me. And then I like what you said, Mir. I kind of have faith in Perry. A lot of the Knicks' previous GMs have just been out to completely derail progress, but I think Perry has some legitimacy. He's made some good moves already, and I think he actually has a head on his shoulders, unlike some of the previous guys demand that same seat. So who knows? Maybe they can improve, but it does start with ripping Porzingis out of that focal point type role. You can't rely on him to come back and be a superstar. You can't rely on him to come back and do anything. But if you do build a nice core, then bring him back into more of a stretch four type role, you're more likely to succeed. And you need to take him out of that face of the franchise type position. Plus, also, he can be more effective on defense if he's resting a yes. little more on offense. <laughs> like, I find it interesting how uh, it's funny because I guess the 76ers don't get credit on how they handle their players. You know, Joel Embiid has been like an injury prone type guy, the, the man does not practice. He doesn't practice at all during the season. Right. And he just comes out there and balls. Markel Fultz has not seen a single game minute at all. His well, Markel is... Fultz is doing some weird like, yeah, optical yeah. illusion yeah, yeah, Like Virgil, all that, I don't know what it is. But to my a point psychic. is like, yeah, I don't think the Knicks kind of handled Porzingis right. I think to, to, no. to what you guys are all saying, he's been overused. They should have probably not necessarily babied him, but just, Relax, taking some steps back, and not trying to force him into the game plan. I mean, look, look at Joel Embiid now. <laughs> the man's balling. I, I think. I think the uh, about to say the Eagles. No, but yes, the Seventy Sixers have done a, a phenomenal job, I guess, handling their players when they're injured. But Manny, the difference here is Joel Embiid um, was yes managed very properly, but also this guy made the All Star game without without playing a single back to back until after the selection was made that he was an all-star. The man has talent. Uh, I mean, per, like, I, I'm just going to say this about Joel, and people laugh at me, but, like, if Joel Embiid practice and if he really tries and stays healthy, he could be as good as Hakeem. Because this guy just shows up and he's that good, and he has all these injuries. If he's healthy and he practices, he could be Hakeem. I mean, he's that good. So I think it's a little unfair to say Porzingis could be Hakeem I, 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 or is as good as Joel. I think Joel is staggeringly good. I mean, like, Hall of Fame talent. Um, but I do think it's important to understand that Porzingis is more of an effective defender than people realize, and he's less of an offensive force than people realize. He's not a DeMarcus Cousins that needs a high usage rate. He can be an efficient Kevin Durant-styled offensive player. Obviously not to the same degree, but that style. And then more of a rim protector. 
Yeah, man. See, listen, I was going to give the uh, the Hot Take Award to, to Christian Nokai telling me that <laughs> the, the Knicks are about to be the new Golden State Warriors. But, hey, listen, I, I think Mayor got it. Mayor talking about Joel Embiid is going to be Hakeem and how the Cavs are going to win it all. Guys, we had a phenomenal show today, man. We had everything that you can ask for. So much NBA coming up, man. All-Star Weekend coming up soon. And, guys, it's Valentine's Day to all the valentines out there enjoy the day if you are lonely today i will give you my number 516-304-8303 it is out there hit me up call me i have everything you need for everyone here manny e-man christian mirror this is pick and pod have a good day